This time on Holy Ghost Notes. I'm sorry I'm making you miss Stranger Things. Yeah, I was eating 3D Doritos. There are people paying for this? That's amazing. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Matt gave me terrible crypto advice. <laughs> Hey, what's going on? This is Matt, and I'm with Tim, and you are hey. listening to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in. We are um, a podcast uh, about two things. One is uh, God or faith, and the other is drumming. Um, we started the podcast a while ago based on God or faith and drumming being two of our favorite things to talk about. Right. And um, we basically just hit the record button at this yeah. point and <laughs> talk about it. And um, what what I think is is neat about our podcast in particular is that we have a group of friends at this point called the Inner Circle, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, they have their own Facebook group and um, there's been a a couple uh, romantic you know relationships <laughs> that have blossomed from yeah this Inner Circle. That's right. I think we just had our second engagement. Yeah, that's wild, man. It blows my that's mind. That's cool. I can't. We can't take any credit for it no honestly. no no it's just no, we can't. Uh, these are just great people but the the joke about it's funny i forget i forget what it is it, it plays into like the online dating thing yeah tim and i holy ghost uh, so if you're listening tim and i just got <laughs> our invite to a wedding um yeah. a couple that that met on here so what's the line what are they using holy ghost mingle that's it yeah <laughs> it's pretty good it's great yeah yeah yeah, such such good people. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> literally goodness. like floored when I saw this second engagement happening. Now, uh-huh. um, you know, got the the invite to this wedding in the mail, um, and they literally met in this community group that we've you know started. Yeah, I with mean, the inner circle. It's wild. It, to, to it makes sense. That. It's like I was talking. So in our pre roll today, um, <clears throat> I was talking about. Uh, a friend of mine that I was talking to about, you know, how do you date? Like, mm-hmm. what's the process like of meeting someone and being someone of interest to someone else? So yeah. in other words, how do you not be repulsive to <laughs> to the person that you're interested in? Right. And what we were just talking about in this pre-roll was, for whatever reason, we were brought up in a culture that was like, you're nothing until you're with the person that makes you complete, mm-hmm. that completes you. Um it's like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Like Jim yeah. Carrey has this idea of like, I'm, I'm nothing without this, you know, this other person. And I, I probably had a little bit of this growing up for sure. And I just kind of chased it. And then I grew up and got past it, but my friend was still, he's still in this haze, like this fog of mm. this idea that he needs to be with someone to be somebody. And we were talking about it and it was like, actually, what if you find someone and you go on your first date and she's like, so tell me about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And he's like, well, you know, I've, I've just been waiting to meet you. I, I can't, like, I, I can't believe, like, here it is. Yeah. So happy. To, I, I'm so excited. And she's like, yeah, okay, great. I'm excited too. But what do you do? You know, what do you like? What do you hate? Well, I've what just been going on. You know, yeah. Yeah. Just, I'm just, I've just been waiting. I can't, like, I'm so excited to be with you. This is just incredible. <laughs> She's going to run as fast as she can oh, out the yes. door. All right. But on the on the contrary, it's like, well, actually, if you're building a career, um, if you have a bunch of hobbies, if you know what you love, know what you hate, you go on your first date and she says, so what do you do? And you say, well, oh my gosh, it's going to take me two months to tell you just about my job. 
Yeah. And then I have all these hobbies and she's going to be, she's going to be on board with that, you know, mm. or, or vice versa. You know, it, it's, it's just the way that, um, that we're designed. We want to be with someone who doesn't put a bunch of pressure on us to complete them and make them feel whole. Yeah. So I was thinking about this Holy Ghost mingle and it's like, well, at least you have a couple things in common with the other person right off yeah. the bat. Right. You haven't stopped listening to the podcast, so that says something. <laughs> that says a lot <laughs> I think about does. your character. Yeah. That you have not just stopped listening <laughs> yeah. to us. <laughs> wow. In fact, you're going a step further and paying for it, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are paying for There are people paying for this? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you, yep. you they yep. should be, actually. They should be paying for this because... <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's 10.26 p.m. That's true. On a Thursday night. And (laughs) we could be doing anything else um, other than what we are doing, which we we wouldn't be doing anything other than this. Um, Yeah. In all honesty, though, there's nothing I'd rather be doing right now than having a good conversation with a good friend. Other than maybe like sitting and watching Stranger Things with my wife, but <laughs> but other than that, this is great. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm making you miss Stranger yeah, Things. That's okay. Uh, it's all right. I I haven't seen it, and I don't have a desire to see it. I actually don't even really want to talk about it. Let's move on to the next. You've topic. never seen any of it. I have. I've seen season one, and you stopped watching after season one. I watched a little bit of season two. Okay, and you got out of it. You know how. Um, some things like people talk about smell being something that brings you back to the place you were when you first mm, smelled it or just sure. invoking all these memories. Yeah. It's that for me. I gotcha. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to go into it. Yeah, and that uh, makes sense. It, but what I did hear about it <laughs> and then we can close this yeah. can of worms <laughs> yeah. is that everyone grew up and it's kind of weird because yeah. it's like, wow, everyone's kind of old. Yeah. yeah. Is that true? So I'm only like two episodes in. I'm real behind. But um, oh, did I just wait? Which season? Uh, season four. No, I'm I'm oh, fully caught not, up to season four, bo- but I'm only two <laughs> episodes into season four. So I haven't Tim, quite. Tim, I don't let me have just reiterate what you just said. <laughs> I'm I'm real behind. And then you're like, well, I'm not I'm not that. I mean, I'm, I'm on the behind. newest season. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm behind. So so season one, I had no. Actually, Julianne was pregnant with our first. When season one came out, we binged that, that was like entire season. Sixteen. Yeah, we binged watched that entire season. I think in three days, the entire thing. It was a good season. It was great. It's a good TV show. And then season two, we tried to binge, but had a baby, and it didn't work out. And so, <laughs> but we we still it was he was young enough to where like we we still got through it. And then season yeah. three was increasingly more difficult. And now it's like I'm like yeah. TV is just a, it's a luxury at this point. <laughs> Dude, it is. So, um, so for those of you that don't know, or maybe it's your first time listening to this, I got, I got married about six weeks ago. My wife's name is Annie. And, um, we, so she moved in after we got married and we've been fixing up the house and everything. And we got a new TV for our bedroom, nice. which for me is such a treat. It's yeah. always been that way because it just is. And also I didn't watch a lot of TV as a kid because I was born and raised on a farm and I was homeschooled and there's a lot of factors that play into it. But anyway. You were also one of, what, eight? Eight kids. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of kids and not a lot of TV. Yeah. (laughs) So I was laying in bed last night and I had this thought. I'm like, the little red light on the TV, 
yeah. made me just think, we hardly ever turn on our TV. Mm. Because by the time we get in bed, it's like, oh my gosh, we have to be up in five hours. Yeah. We turn on the TV, we're just... It's like, yes, that would be great, but sleep is much... <laughs> if we don't sleep more than five hours, tomorrow's going to be a mess. Yeah. So it's like survival mode kicks in, and we don't even have kids, you know? So it's the TV, I, I'm, I'm used to seeing the red light on it, which just means it's off, and it's just begging to be turned on. <laughs> yeah, it's hanging it's on the wall. I did all this work to, like, get it, you know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. I look forward to the day. Nah, I'm when you, I'm man. 65 and retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we did the same thing. I, I grew up, never had a TV in my bedroom. No one had yeah. TVs in their bedrooms. Um, and um, actually, for whatever reason, like, felt like it was actually wrong to have a TV in the bedroom. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know what did, what did that for me. But um, when Julianne was really sick with the first pregnancy, um, she was basically, you know, it was like she just went straight to bed um, most days. And so I was like, well, let's get one for our bedroom so at least we can sit, you know, like lay down, watch some TV. And we got a lot of use out of it during those days. But since then, I can probably count on, you know, <laughs> one hand how many times we've yeah. used it um, uh-huh. just because, you know. Yeah, once kids go to sleep in your bedroom, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not going to turn the TV on, so I know. yeah, yeah, life. That's man. how it goes. Life happens. I um, so like I just said, we've been fixing up the house, and um, I had a guy come and install two new doors for the house. Nice. And he was talking to me, and he's like, he's like, look at that wire. Okay. He's like, if I touch this door to that wire, I'm getting shocked. So I took a closer look. I'm like, yeah, it does need to be replaced. The line coming from the utility pole to the house is done. Mm. So I called an electrician. Didn't work out. Called another one. And this guy came out today. And I was expecting someone in like their 50s or 60s. This guy shows up and we start talking. And uh, <clears throat> I said, if you don't mind, how old are you? He said, 81. Oh, my gosh. I said, are you the owner of the company? He said, yeah. I started the company in 1971. Wow. And it made me think, um, someone, I saw something the other day that said uh, something about what year was it 50 years ago? And when I saw it, I was like, 50 years, that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, actually, it's it's uh, it's it's not all that it's not all that long ago <laughs> when we look at how old we are. Mm-hmm. So I, I started to think about this in 2030, which is in eight years, a little less than eight years. Yeah. 30 years ago would be 1980. Mm. The 80s. I was born in the 80s. Yeah. 50, 85. 50 years ago. Yeah, 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what did I say? I think you said 30. Oh, thir- I yeah, wish 50. it was 30. <laughs> I was doing the math in my head. It's, it is it is 1030, so. <laughs> okay, so think about this. So 30 years ago, in less than eight years, is 2000. Yeah. The year 2000. <laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> I don't know why that hit me so hard, but think yeah. about that. If you're listening to this, um, think about um, <clears throat> 2030, which is seven and a half years from now. And think about the fact that um, 2000, the year 2000, 
will be 30 years ago. Yeah. So let's say you're let's say you're only 20, right? Uh, in 2030, you were born in 2010. I, I just, it's very hard for me to wrap my mind around. And I think it's because for me, everything is focused on the year 2003 when I started the band. Mm, yeah. And so like, that's, that's sort of the, the second beginning of time. Yeah. Like the, like the beginning of time for me is 1985. I don't remember it. Right. Cause I was born that year. The second beginning of time was 2003 when I started the band and my life as I know it really started. Right. So I was 17. But I think everybody has that that anchor, right? It's like, what age were you when you did something significant with your life? For mm. me, that's ABR 2003. Yeah. And I base everything on that. It's like when you go to mm. a car, like when you go to a uh, car lot and the salesman's like, all right, we can sell you this car for 70 grand. And you're thinking, dude, there's no way. Or I got this other thing for 32. And you're like, 32? That sounds cheap. Well, yeah, compared to 70. Yeah. Right? It's all psychology. So I do that with the band with 2003. But it's getting to the point now where I'm I'm 36. And so, yes, I am getting close to 40. And that number just does not, doesn't sit, does yeah, it not doesn't work. Compute. <laughs> 30? No problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. 40? I, I had a little little bit of a complex with 30. I think it just like took me a sec to realize like I wasn't <laughs> in my okay. 20s. But yeah, I I have the same thing like like why I think it's Y2K. They made such a big deal about like everything switching over. And like part of me like I remember like sitting watching the ball drop, you know, December 31st, 1999, wondering if the world was gonna end because everyone was talking about that. Seriously? Oh yeah, yeah. I was eating 3D Doritos. I remember it like clear (laughs) as day. Those, they should really bring those things back, man. Those were great. But are they gone? <laughs> they're gone. Okay. They were like they were like literally like puffed Doritos is the best. But mm-hmm. um, I remember it very clearly, and uh, and wondering like, hey, like, are we all just gonna disappear? Is the rapture gonna happen? Whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so for whatever reason, two thousand <laughs> is like that turn of the the century. You know, it. I don't know it made a difference. So now it's wild to me um, just seeing other like parents with children, obviously that were born after, (laughs) after 2000. It's wild to me in my brain. It's like, I I know doesn't doesn't quite, uh, I base everything on the start of the band, including like you just said, kids. Mm -hmm. So I'll meet someone who's born in 2005 and I'm like, Oh my gosh. When I yeah. started the band and we were on our first tour, you were just being born. Right. <laughs> like that's my metric and it just I can't yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. Getting old it's, sucks. It's wild, man. Yeah. I don't like it. It's definitely interesting. It's it's painful <laughs> <laughs> physically. <It is. laughs> I'm like hobbling around my house in the morning, yeah. like oh, yeah. oh I'll see how double bass goes today. Yeah. We were supposed <laughs> to record this last night. And I, I had a chiropractor appointment and like he, he adjusted me and then I was just thinking like, man, I have to sit on the drum throne for like an hour and a half tonight. I'm going to mess up everything that he just did. And then I was like, the next thought immediately was like, man, I am so old. What's, oh go- <laughs> What's going on with me? Uh, it's funny. All right. Well, 
Hopping into drums. So <clears throat> if you've never listened to this podcast, we start with drums, typically. Yeah. And uh, we end with faith um, or a God topic. And uh, so today, our um, our drum topic has to do with judging and competition and mm. um, just this idea of better than or worse than. So mm-hmm. the reason I came up with this is because I was just in Indianapolis judging a drum competition through PAS. And uh, PAS is the organization that puts on PASIC every year. So if you've okay. heard of PASIC, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible event. It's probably my favorite drum-related event I've ever attended. Oh, cool. um, it may, I, I think it's right there with like the Zildjian Southeast Asia clinic tour I did in 2017 and the wow. South America Zildjian clinic tour I did in 2018. Like it's, it's incredible. And the reason it's incredible is because it's like a family, hmm. uh, of, of drummers. And if you know anything about drummers or drumming, you know that the community is very open-handed and, uh, approachable, transparent, friendly, and what I've been been learning in the past, I don't know, I guess a couple of years, but namely in Indianapolis, I was talking about it with some of the other um, folks I met out there. Is that guitar players? Oh, I was talking to the um, to the guitarist in the live band that played okay. with the drummers yeah. for the competition. He was he was really good. He was really friendly actually, uh, and he was telling me about how he thinks it's so cool that drummers have this mentality of like, you know, they'll go up to someone and be like, "Dude, how'd you play that fill?" Yeah, and the drummer will be like, "Oh, well, here you just go like right, left, left, right, kick, right, left," and he's like, "With guitarists, it's not like that." I was like, mm. "Well, what do you mean? Like, if you play a sweet riff or a sweeping pattern or something, and and I'm a guitarist and I want to know what you play, what would you say if I asked you?" And he's like, "Oh, you just kind of cross your arms and turn your head." Like, really? He's like, "Yeah, that's shocking." There, he's like, "The community is." I don't know. I guess his take on it is that it's just different than drumming. Yeah. Um, which I, of course, we wouldn't know that much about because we're, you know, we're all drummers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, that's that's kind of a micro view of what PASIC is, which is like a thousand. I think there's actually like 6,000 people, but the big room that I played in, I think I probably had about a thousand people in there. I'm not totally sure. Wow. And just think about playing for a thousand drummers. Yeah. It's one thing to play in August Rins Red and play for a crowd of 1,500 people when you know 150 of them might be drummers, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you play PASIC and it's like, oh, everybody knows what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. And can probably do what I'm doing right even better yeah. than me. They all have that internal clock. They know when you're off time. It's <laughs> yeah. Yep. They know yep. like that fill that you're trying to make sound spicier than what it is they're like oh that's just a inverted paradiddle with a <laughs> linear eighth note triplet at the end you know so, <laughs> so um so so i was judging for this competition and dude it was so great it was so great that's so awesome. i got the call a couple i guess over a month ago i was on my honeymoon actually i got an email and um my friend sarah's like hey would you want be interested in being a judge for this drum competition Drum competitions are, are not really my thing because, as we're going to talk about, competition is not something I think about when I think about drumming. Um, yeah. I don't see it as a sport or something that you judge someone being a lot better or worse than other people. Though I do see 
that. Yeah. Um, I don't like Inevitably. to. Yes, uh, of course. I, I don't like to attribute value to someone who is better than someone else as mm-hmm. a means of saying, like, you're awesome and you suck. <laughs> you should keep playing and you should quit. You yeah. know, it's, it's as a teacher that that would disqualify you from ever yeah. being a good teacher. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was like, all right, you know, maybe. And they said the two other judges are Spears. Okay. And the other judge is either going to be this person or Dave Weckl. Oh, man. And I'm like, whoa. All right, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So it ended up being Dave Weckl, Aaron Spears, and I. Man. And it was fun. That is We showed up, and they treated us really well. We had, there were 150 drummers that they boiled down to eight. Okay. And um, we did... First day was prelim tryouts, and it was like we had to take eight and boil it down to three. Yeah. So they all played. They all played to a track. They played a solo either in the track or individually, and then mm-hmm. they played with a live band that was hired to be there for the day. Cool. It was. It was It was super cool. Yeah, My favorite fun. part was after each drummer performed, they came up to the table. It was myself next to Weckle next to Spears, and they would come up and – um as soon as they got them playing, they come up, they still have their ears around them, and we would give them feedback, hmm. right? Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we had a metric on how to do this. We had sort of a numerical system based on their performance, um, their creativity, their dynamics, their musicianship. And we could leave comments and sort of remember things about their track playing, you know, playing with the track, playing with the band, et cetera. So anyway, um, this kid, this kid came up, and he was actually the kid who who won the whole thing, the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible player, gospel chops, dude. So yeah. much flow, man, just impressive. Like when he was playing, I just wanted to stand up and scream, "Are you kidding me?" At the top yeah. of my lungs. <laughs> well, Spears, Spears laid into him. Really? Yes. He laid into him, and I'm glad I'm glad Spears went first because I would have just been like, "Bye, how'd you do that one thing? Can you you have time for lessons after this?" So Aaron said he didn't say this verbatim. I can't remember exactly what he said, but the impression I got was that Aaron knew he was good, Mm -hmm. but he knew he needed guidance, and he knew that he needed he needed someone to kind of take his hand. And say, hey, you're doing a good job. You don't need to show us everything right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to show us how good you are. Let everything else shine too. Yeah. So he said something like this. Man, why are you not counting the band in? He's like, that's not their responsibility. You're the leader. This is yeah. a drum competition. You click them in. Man, I don't yeah, I don't understand. When the keys solo is happening, you're just over here playing nine out of ten volume. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I couldn't even hear him. And he's just he's going down through this list, not even looking at his notes. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be like three or four minutes of this. Dang. And 
so by the time it got to I would Wechel just go and, me, and hide in a in a hole somewhere if Aaron Spears oh, <laughs> I know. was giving me feedback like that. I know, and he's so <laughs> sweet. He has a smile on his face, and he ends with like, "Dude, I really enjoyed your performance, but man, why did you? You know, there's yeah. just enough love mm-hmm. in there to have some hate." Yeah, sure. So the next day was the performance, and he gets up there first. He's the first one to play. He knows he's in the top three, and he destroys it. He won the whole thing. Every single thing Aaron and Dave and I said to do, mostly Aaron, because I didn't have a whole lot of criticism (laughs) for this kid, he did. Yeah. Every single thing. Wow. And a a couple times I looked over at Aaron. He's sitting right next to me, and we just smiled because we both knew exactly what was going on. He listened to everything. That's amazing. The keys solo came. Side stick all day, mm-hmm. right? The fills were kind of samey, not today. Like I was learning how to play yeah. linear, you know, just watching. <laughs> so that brings me to my point. Uh, if you're a drummer and you're listening to this and you're thinking, all right, is it a good idea to approach drumming from a competitive standpoint? I would say no, it is not. It is not a good idea. However, it is contingent on one factor making a difference of, all right, generally speaking, is a, a good idea or a bad idea. And, and, that, and that factor is, are you a teachable person? Yeah. Because if you are, then when someone makes a judgment about you, right or wrong, you have an opportunity to learn. And if you're not open to judging yourself or allowing other people to judge you or approaching drumming from sort of an athletic, competitive standpoint, then you're going to be in your lane and you'll be, you'll, you'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. But you're not going to have um, the pressure. Yeah. Real pressure that you're going to have if you're willing to say, you know what? Let me hear it. Mm-hmm. Just like this kid did. What do you, what do you have to say? He didn't yep. he didn't become all deflated. He stood there, he took it, and guess what he did? Instead of just putting up his defense mechanisms, he's like, All right, I know what I'm doing tonight. And he did. Yep. Practiced and practiced some more. And the next day he showed us. He's like, every single thing that we gave him, he changed. And his performance was so much better. He got first place. Five thousand dollars. Amazing. Wow. Uh and you know, an exceptional player who's even better now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? That's so cool. I love that. Yeah, so I had something different planned to talk about, but now that you've kind of surprise, taken this surprise. direction. <laughs> yeah. That's usually how it well, goes. It just, it just brought something to mind. So, you know, yeah. as of late, I have been much more of a of an Instagram drummer um, and paying attention to the drum community and, and the things that are happening on social media. What's happening on social media? I haven't really been on Instagram a well, lot. Well, I mean, the I mean, as far as the drum community goes, it's booming. I mean, there's really? so much content being put out there. I, I mean, I follow I follow a new drummer like every month at this point. Like, there's someone out there that is just so good that I've never heard of before, and he's posting content, and I want to see more of it. You know, but what I found interesting is there, there's there's almost so much good content so many good drummers out there that i find myself unfollowing drummers but not for the reason you'd think 
it's not because their content's stale or because they play to fill poorly or um or they're just not as good as some of the other drummers i follow it's like literally like i'm not a huge fan of like the attitude coming through mm. on the drums and uh and so from <laughs> so this this plays into i think like judging mm-hmm. drummers and and this is partially my personality as well like um if you're a drummer like we automatically have a connection like we can talk drums and you know we can relate on that level but um i am automatically turned off if you're like super cocky think you're the best drummer ever yeah and basically what you said like Mm -hmm. like if you're not willing to learn and understand that like this craft you will probably never master like there is always someone better and there's always something to learn like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's just the nature of drums it's why it's why we love it it's why we talk about it the way that we do and so when i see someone just with this like demeanor and sometimes maybe maybe it's just how they play it's how they look when they're playing it's their drummer face so to speak you know (laughs) and maybe it just rubs (laughs) me the wrong way and i am at fault for that but but i think um i've just i've heard so many stories you know in a in a competitive industry um it's it's um it's easy to think that if you're the best player you're gonna get the job Hmm. um and we've talked about networking and we've talked about, you know, building relationships and, and knowing the right people. That's obviously important. But I think more than anything, you might get that job because you, you know, slayed in that audition. But are you going to keep that job after mm-hmm. you run a tour with these people? Like, are they going to bring you back or are they are you are you going to rub them the wrong way? You know, and, and so mm-hmm. for me... I think that there's a lot of importance that we have to place on character, on learnability, on how you um, how you carry yourself on and off the kit, you know, because mm-hmm. it shows through, and and people um, people see that, you know, pe- like regardless of who you are, and you know, some people are more naive to this, but like regardless of who you are you can pick up on certain you, know, you can pick up on arrogance you oh, know yeah. people just pick it, pick it up you know you can see it when you're playing you can see it when you get off the kit you can see it how you know see it in how you uh, interact with people and so like that for me is what i'm mostly judging because someone who's not good at drums today might be the best drummer i've ever seen in a yeah. few years i mean um, I hate oh, yeah. using him as an example, it but I mean, quick. yeah, but people were like crazy about Luke Holland at the beginning and I watched mm-hmm. a couple of his videos and I was just not impressed. I was like, mm-hmm. this kid needs to learn how to play to a metronome, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sorry, Luke, <laughs> if you're listening to this, but like you would probably agree with me. You go back yeah. and listen to your earlier videos. Yeah. <laughs> you had, you had a lot of work to do. I, w- I just wasn't impressed, you know, but mm-hmm. now like my goodness, the stuff that he's pulling out is just mm-hmm. insane. Like he is, he has earned his spot. Yeah, like he's the a fame that he has, he deserves. You know, and so, yeah. um, you know, so so for me, like look looking at someone and saying, okay, well they're not that great. It means very little to me because I know mm-hmm. if they put the work in, they're going to be great one day. But if they are 
if I can't stand them as a person and I just mm-hmm. don't want to watch them and I don't want to be around them and I don't want to hire them <laughs> or work with them in any capacity, refer them, you know, then that that's ultimately going to kill a career, okay. right? So, so does this play into, um, does this same mentality that you have play into other areas of your life? So, for example, you're watching football. Yeah. Oh, pfft. I know exactly where you're going with this. And yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. like Cam Newton seems mm-hmm. like a pretty cocky dude. Yeah. Like he likes the sound of his own voice. I mm-hmm. mean, he's 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 good at football. I, yeah. I I I think he's he's gotten the short end of the stick a couple of times and he's just kind of gotten thrown around here and there. But yeah. he has shown in, in clutch like I remember one play in particular where he had a chance to dive on the football mm-hmm. when it was either fumbled or, or something happened and it was an important play. And he just sort of looked at the ball like I'm not I'm not jumping mm-hmm. on that. Like I'm not I'm not a team player. And I was like, ew, that is really gross. Mm-hmm. So does the same thing apply to an arena of life that's not your forte? Like say football or athletics in general? I think almost more so. Okay. Because when I'm impressed by a drummer, it's almost harder for me to to really nitpick at like personality trait, you know? Yeah. And there's like, dang, he's good. Yeah. I mean, there's some drummers and I won't name any names because I have like the inside scoop on some people and I just don't want to like bad mouth anybody because there's some great drummers. Please don't say anything about me. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. Um, Yeah. There, there are some drummers for sure that I just can't, I can't watch anymore and they're just amazing, but I just know too much about who they are you know, mm-hmm. off the kit. Sure. And, um, that definitely plays into sports. Um, probably sports was actually a really good example. Cause I think that's probably the thing that I've found the most, like there's some really great players that have made some incredible plays. Um, and I just know too much about them off the field to where I just can't take them seriously. And it's very hard for and me the, to respect them. And the adverse is true. You have like yeah. a Russell Wilson or you have a Josh Allen and you're like, wow, Good mm-hmm. football players. I mean, great, great. I'd say Josh Allen is an incredible quarterback. Yeah. I, I think Russell Wilson's good. I don't think he's a great quarterback. Mm. I think Josh Allen's a great quarterback. But they both seem like great people. Yeah. And yep. Russell Wilson's like always been more. a role model. For yeah. Yeah. It does. It it makes me. Okay. Here's what it does. So when I watch, let's say it's Sunday afternoon. I'm watching. Uh, well, now the. Um, uh, Denver Broncos. So I'm watching Russell Wilson play. But let's just say it's Seahawks. I'm watching Seahawks play. And I'm watching Russell Wilson and how he deals with third down and 13. And he gets mm. sacked. And he gets walked off the field. I, I, I watch his composure. I just watch, I watch how he carries himself after something like that. Yeah. And what he does is I have that like mental image in my mind and I take it with me on tour. If something bad happens, you know, during a show, I think about how he responded to something on national television. Yeah. And I tr- I try to put my situation in perspective and carry myself in a similar way. Yeah. That epitomizes a role model in some mm-hmm. ways cuz it's like how does he in real time deal with that problem? Right. Or yep. how does he deal with that, you know, success? Mm-hmm. Or that yeah. fame? And he's 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 always been the kind of person talking about Russell Wilson here, who um, 
I feel like has done a great job of of handling both. Mm. And I I think about it when I'm in a bad place or a really good place, specifically with drumming and touring. Yeah, and that's a that's a great uh, that's a great point. In fact, I this just happened to me today. And again, I won't name any names, but there is there is an actor that I really looked up to as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I saw a video where he was basically just showing off his car collection. Oh, yeah. And like there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to call out everyone who has spent money on something like a hobby, like cars, you know. But for me, it was just like... Like, man, like, I'm sure that you you donate a lot of money to charity and, you you know, you do a lot for, for the world. But, like, at the same time, mm-hmm. I just can't take you seriously now because you have, you know, <laughs> a 6,000 square foot garage filled with, you uh-huh. know, million dollar cars. And it's just like, Incredible. I, I, I can't, I, I no longer, I can no longer take you seriously. Did you work for that money? Sure. Are mm-hmm. you famous for a reason? Absolutely. Do I look up mm-hmm. to you still a little bit, but <laughs> but it's like <laughs> you know like oh it's just it's just so hard for me to and it's you know I've had this conversation with so many people like when it, especially when it comes to wealth and what you spend your money on like there's it's like where do you draw the line right mm-hmm. <laughs> where does it become mm-hmm. you know because I am extremely wealthy compared to other people and other people oh, would yeah. probably say like you're spending your money on that like what oh yeah there are Coffee? people who are starving you know like, Beer? yeah it's it's like you know so yeah there's there <laughs> there are luxuries that i treat myself to so who am i to judge but um but it's just you know things like that for sure um it's like where you know i, I think where, where we're getting is like where where is it okay to judge people <laughs> where is it not mm-hmm. you know how do we i think you know dude yeah. i think i think it's important that we make judgments i mean how else are you supposed to be anybody in this Mm. world it's like the opposite of that i think is just a people pleaser yeah and a a people pleaser in a broad stroke sense is just someone who is nobody they're just everybody they're a chameleon that and and so when for example when the bible talks about judging um what i grew up hearing was something other than what what i now know it as today, which is you have to make judgments between what's right and what's wrong, which is different than judging someone without really knowing what their heart is. Yeah. And those are two different things. Yeah, it's true. So it's like we can judge based on an observation, um, but that has a lot more to do with how it affects us than what it says about them. So in a drumming sense, it's interesting because it's someone's art. It's someone creating, Mm -hmm. but I look at drumming a lot like I look at like a a lot like the way I look at athletics, which is um, very competitive. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of drummers don't see it that way. I always have. Uh, It's probably not happenstance that I play in a metal band, where there's a sense of like performance, um, technique, um, stamina. Mm-hmm. conditioning like you are a lot like an athlete as yeah. a you know drummer in a metal band and so it's important that people make judgments about like okay you're playing this right you're actually not doing a good job at this mm-hmm. and that tells me okay well what do i need to do how do i fix that so that i can still have my job <laughs> and go and continue <laughs> going on tour right otherwise someone else 
like you said about Instagram drummers, I mean, there's a lot of people that could take my job. Mm. There's a lot of people that could play what I'm playing. Um, the reason that maybe they don't have the opportunity is because they didn't take the risk of starting a band mm. uh, when there was really nothing to gain by it other than just having fun. Yeah. But certainly there's a lot of skill out there. So it's it's important to make these judgments. Um, and m- I can't stress this enough. Like when I saw Julian perform in the final round and take everything, especially that Aaron had said to heart yeah. and make adjustments, it was like he didn't get worse as a drummer. He right. got a lot better. Yeah. And he garnered the respect of all of us, especially Aaron. Yeah. Which is which is cool. Like that's that's cool in and of itself. But also he's a much better drummer. Yeah. Because of the fact that he was able to hear it and not get really defensive. Yeah. So here's where I think we can can land with this. Um, in my opinion, we have become um, overly sensitive about what people say about us. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media. Yeah. Because yeah. what happens is if it's true that it takes nine comments to outdo or at least equalize the one negative comment, then you're always searching for those nine because mm. you know you're getting the one negative. Yeah. You know it's yeah. coming. Yep. And so even if you're getting 20 positives in a row, you're sort of bracing for impact for that one negative. Mm. And when it comes, it just erases everything you just read about yep. how good you're doing, about how good it sounds. And so we get really caught up in our own heads about something that someone typed with their thumbs on their phone right? and sent without thinking about it. Yep. And this, this plays um, perfectly into the next category, our God topic, which is advice, which is like, do you realize what you're saying to someone when you're giving them advice? Do you realize how much power you have with your words? Mm. Same thing's true with drumming. Do you realize that what you're saying could end them playing drums if they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. And so my first piece of advice would be toughen up. You got to get tough. You have to. Yeah. You're never going to make it if you can't if you can't just love the thing that you're doing just because you love yeah. it. You will Not get because a bad someone's, critique at some point. <laughs> you definitely will. 100%. The more the more popular you get, yeah. I mean, man. And it's yeah, it's not easy to overlook that. But the sooner you can learn to just enjoy what you do because you love it uh, and not because someone tells you that you're good at it. And then the other thing is learn from it. Mm. Let it fuel you. And and I think this is where you hear athletes really succeeding is like, oh, I used all the hate to, you know, push me, fuel me, power me, teach me. You know, it's like you got to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. I think both of those things work together. If you're not tough enough to take the criticism, you're not going to be able to look at it and say, well, I can learn from this. And if you're not learning from it, then you're not going to be tough enough to take it because it's just going to devastate you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, be careful with what you're saying. I think you, you kind of touched on it just for a brief second, but um, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to give constructive criticism in a tactful way that is intended to build the person up and help them become better. And it's another yeah. thing to just troll somebody for the sake oh, yeah. of trolling. <laughs> like, yeah. if, like, 
in most cases, like, you might know you're you're a good drummer. You might be a good drummer, but like, there's no reason to tell someone on Instagram that is courageous enough to post something that, yeah, you know, they're proud of, or maybe they're not proud of, and they're just posting it because you know <laughs> they <laughs> they just want to post something, and and like, why? Would you go and and tear them down? There's just there's no benefit to that. It just makes you look like a fool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this was good. I like this. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's close to home for me. Yeah, because it's really cool to see someone take something that you say and implement it into their playing. Yeah. So who's a better drummer, Matt? Is it you or me? <laughs> God topic now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Advice. Never ask your friend that question. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you want to kick this good, one off? Good, good faith topic. How to give it and take it. <laughs> Advice. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, I could kick this one off. I'm not sure if I'll okay. take it in the direction that you were intending, but... Um, I think this is actually, this plays into what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. It's kind of almost a, a natural segue. Um, so there's, if there's one thing that I've thought about almost more than anything with this podcast is um, the, the, uh, the platform that we have. People are listening to this and they're trusting us. And it's very easy as humans to, and this is probably the wrong word, but to to idolize people. I find myself doing it, you know, when I'm, when I'm searching for information and I find a a source of information that I respect, begin to trust, and then kind of take their word as gospel more or less Mm -hmm. in any, it doesn't necessarily mean Christianity or, or, you know, I'm just saying in general, when I find a hub of info, information that's coming, I, uh, and I start to trust it, it's, it's that much harder for me to um, take what they say with a grain of salt, you know? Yeah. And so, so that's been the, the big thing for me with this podcast is like, we say a lot of things and we, uh, we, we don't really plan out these conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we'll have an idea of what the topic is going to be going into it. But in most cases, like we're not necessarily researching these mm-hmm. things that we're we're saying and putting out there. And and I've listened back to some old podcast episodes and realized, like, oh man, I can't believe I said that. Like, I definitely don't <laughs> think that. I definitely don't believe that. Um, I don't know why I said that. Um, oh man. <laughs> and I've been called out on a few things too. Oh yeah. And I've tried to address them in later episodes. Um, there, are, it, there will inevitably be things that we say as as podcast hosts because we are just having an honest conversation. There, there are things that are going to come out that are not going to be the truth, um, not because we're trying to be dishonest, but just because at the time maybe we didn't know any better, or maybe we mm-hmm. thought a certain way, or felt a certain way, or you know, because because we're just having a conversation live on. Pro Tools, you know, I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's what this podcast is. So there's nothing that I've, I've taken more seriously than the fact that I could potentially be leading people astray (laughs) Mm -hmm. in what I'm saying. And I do take it seriously. Um, I will inevitably fail some of you listening. Uh, Some people are going to be very offended by certain things I say. 
it's not my intention my intention to offend you um to put you off or to to lead you astray so to speak but you know that's um you know we give a lot of advice on this podcast so <laughs> um so where i would kind of like to take this topic and feel free to do a you know a jug handle here uh for those of you that live outside of jersey if you don't know what a jug handle is it is <laughs> no, just not that kind of um <laughs> no you have to now now i have to a jug yes. handle for those of you that don't live in new jersey is uh it's it's basically a side road to make a left turn um <laughs> if you can't make a left at a light you have to take a jug handle and that allows you to make two a, lefts a don't left. make a right but three do yeah um Whew. yeah so or I've make never a heard that term it's a jug that handle you can make a too. u-turn or, or a left turn at, at a light yeah okay um anyway uh to take us back around the other direction feel free to do that um <laughs> that's what i was trying to say um sure. but with advice how to give it and how to take it um I've been given a lot of advice. In fact, I, I alluded to some advice that I was given uh, at the very beginning of this episode, unintentionally relating to this topic, um, where you know people told me, like, forget about your dream, uh, in a matter of speaking. Uh, forget about your dream. Get a real job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, don't get your hopes up about music, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was uh, it could have been good advice. I mean, it got me to where I am now. And uh, I am very thankful with where I am in life right now. But at the same time, you know, it makes me wonder, had I pursued it harder, would things be different? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so the, I ultimately took their advice. Um, and I made my choice. And I have no one to blame but myself for taking that advice. And that's where I want to go with this. Advice is advice. We 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 give a lot of advice on this podcast. Um and I want to take as much responsibility for that advice as I can, but ultimately, if you're taking that advice and you're moving forward with that advice in mind, it, that's your decision. I think we need to, with with everything, um, we need to take it with a grain of salt. We need to be able to know where we stand on certain things, be open to learning, as we just talked about in our drum topic, be open to to changing the way that you think, but ultimately be able to sit at a place where you can accept that advice and choose to either dismiss it or move forward with it. That is such a, a huge quality for someone to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found that the worst thing I can do for myself is just assume that I have all the right answers already, that I've lived enough life to know how, like to know what is right, what is wrong. Mm-hmm. But the amount of times that I've completely did a 180 on certain topics or trains of thought or like it, it's astounding to me actually how many times I've completely changed my mind. And and growing up I was I was definitely the the yes man 
I was the person who I, I was avoiding uh, confrontation. I was avoiding conflict. It's very non-confrontational. That was that was me to a T. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not necessarily a bad quality to have, but when you can literally sway on how you you know how you think and what you believe just by having a conversation with someone who's very argumentative or very forceful and or convincing in the way that they're approaching a, a certain topic it's you know you start to get like you start to lose respect from other people mm -hmm. and for yourself as a person and so it's really important for you to start like and and there's always going to be those things where you don't have enough information to have an educated decision or an educated stance on something, and that's okay. But I think we have to um, train ourselves because there's lots of advice that's thrown out there. Um, I find myself believing the things from the people that I trust, which makes sense. Um, but we also have to be careful with that because there's people that we mm -hmm. trust that still don't know all the answers, and they'll mm -hmm. put it out there like they do. I mean, that's what we do all the time. We're talking about things and we're confident in these things that we believe. Um, we think we have the answers, um, but that's not always the case, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's where you were planning on taking this, Matt. So I mm -hmm. apologize if this has totally derailed your your uh, nope. your plans that for this. plays right into it. But um, You hit on some, some things that I have written down here. Sick. <laughs> nice job. So... Um, <clears throat> I have a, um, in the past two weeks, there's been some things that have popped up that makes me think about giving advice and mm. taking advice. Um, <clears throat> in my mind, there are about three different types of people as it pertains to giving advice. So the, the first kind of person is the kind of person who uses lots of hyperbole exaggerates, um, and oftentimes takes something that is fairly straightforward and somehow finds this conspiracy in it hmm. that you're like, hmm, where did that come from? And so when they start talking about what you could do or should do or might do or would be a good idea or a bad idea, in your brain, knowing what you know about that person, Right, you're like, hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to this. Mm. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is the same person who just said that this conspiracy um, is is the reason behind this this you know current news that I just heard today, and it's like that is so far fetched. So therefore, I I'm not gonna listen to what he says or she says. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, 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 the second kind of person is someone who is very realistic. Um, they're pragmatic. They live in the real world. And when they, when they give you advice, you fall back on the fact that they see things for what they are. There's really not hyperbole. There's, there's no exaggerating. It just is what it is. Yeah. I'm going to listen to that. Okay. And the third kind of person, I think, is, is the people pleaser, the chameleon who, um, let's say you're talking to them about how your boss is a horrible human being and isn't paying you enough and is requiring way too much of you, and the whole time they're just nodding their head 
and affirming everything you have to say, even if it's outlandish, even if you're just making stuff up at this point. Yeah. They're just like, oh, wow, I can't believe that, right? If they give you advice, um, how quick are you going to be, how quick are you going to listen to it? More than likely, it's going to fall right in line with what is the most ideal for you um, in terms of what do you have to gain by it, not in terms of what should happen here, like mm. what's correct, yeah, what is you know ethical, what is the right thing to do. So you have the exaggerator, full of hyperbole. You have the realist, down-to-earth, pragmatic, sees the world for what it is, and you have the chameleon, people-pleaser. Yeah. And, and I was thinking about, you know, what are the types of people in my life? And these are the three that it really boiled down to. Of course, there are gradients, you know, in between that sort of thing. But But, you know, these are the three big categories. Correct, yeah. And so I started thinking about what kind of person am I to other people? Hmm. Because if, if this is the way that I see other people when they give me advice, like Tim, let's say you gave me advice and let's say I see you as someone who likes to exaggerate things, really like blow things up a lot more than what they are. Mm-hmm. That's that, let's say I'm having a hard time with, um, you know, knowing how to handle my finances. I'm just really not sure what to do. And you start talking to me about how, Dude, I started listening to this guy and he's got this advice and man, he made so much money and you can make so much money too. For me, it's just like, okay, all, all, all Tim really means by this is that he didn't go majorly in debt, right? It's like he sounds like he broke even <laughs> <laughs> because you're known to have hyperbole. Um, let's say you're a realist and you're talking about someone, the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you'll never believe this. This guy made so much money. I'm going to be like, really? How do I do that? Mm-hmm. He really did that. Oh my gosh. What'd he do? Like, can I buy curriculum from this guy? Yeah. Like, can you tell me about it? Right. Right. Because I know in the past, historically, you have laid out a foundation that's pretty solid based mm-hmm. on here's what is actually happening. Right. And if you're going above and beyond and saying this guy made a ton of money it must be a boatload of money yeah right and then third of all the chameleon uh, this is the kind of person that's like you know that financially i'm excited about making a lot of money and so you you're probably not all that excited about this guy you probably don't even agree with him or his (laughs) principles or anything but you know that you know that i would like him so you're going to bring him up Mm-hmm. You're going to talk to me about them. And I know that you do this, so I'm probably not going to look into it. And in my experience with people giving advice, it really boils down to to these three. And the person that I listen to the most is obviously the realist, the person who mm-hmm. is grounded. They're willing to tell me you're wrong when I'm wrong. They're willing to tell me I'm doing a good job when I am. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of person who makes you stop and you're, you know, mid-step and look seriously right. at what they're saying. So I want to be that kind of person to other people. Yep. And in bringing this topic up, my main objective is that if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, people don't really listen to my advice. I give a lot of advice. I feel like people just sort of brush it off. 
what category are you in? How do people see you? Because it really, it really comes down to what perception people have of you. Yeah. A lot more than what kind of advice you're giving. Right. The advice is like secondary to it. You could be giving the best advice, but if you are the kind of person who exaggerates a lot, uses lots of hyperbole, or if you're the kind of person who's just a people pleaser and tells everyone something they they want to hear, uh, maybe not what they need to hear, it, it's just, if they're like me, uh, it's just going to go in one ear and out the other. Right. Because it's just baked into the cake of what kind of, delivery you have with everything else in your life. Mm -hmm. So this has been something that I've thought a lot about, especially the last, I would say, two or three weeks. I've had um, two friends going through some tough, tough stuff. And yeah. I've been able to give them, I've been able to sit with both of them a lot. Uh, and, and I shouldn't say sit, um, talk with both of them, sit with one and talk with the other um, quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. And it makes me just think like, how can I be, how can I be the kind of person who is taken seriously and what mm. do I need to work on um, so that I can be taken seriously? Yeah. Because if I'm, if I'm not taken seriously, it's probably not their fault. It's probably mine. Hmm. And how do I improve, um, you know, the kind of person that I am and my character and my delivery, my integrity, all that stuff. Yeah. Does that That's, make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's funny, when you broke that down, I was just thinking about, you know, sometimes you look to certain people um, when, you, when you come into times of, of trouble or, or struggle, you look to certain types of people to, to give you what you're, what you're looking for, mm. right? Because... I know I can I can picture some friends in my mind who are the realists will tell me it's straight and you know oftentimes if I'm being honest that's not how I want to receive the information mm. <laughs> you know? so I'll avoid talking to them even though I know they'll probably get me out of this little funk I'm in because they'll mm -hmm. tell it to me straight you are not thinking straight you are wrong this is what the Bible says, or this is what is the truth, you know, just cut it out, man. You're just, you're ridiculous. You know, that, that's true. How they'll tell it to me. That's and true. those are great people. Those are great friends. But sometimes yeah. I want to go to the chameleon. I want to, I want to yeah. go to the person who's yeah. going to nod and understand <laughs> and let me know. And so I know sometimes too, like, um, I've had to be both for different people because I know, okay, this person's coming to me because they want to, they want someone to hear them. They want someone to understand what they're going through. They don't want mm. advice. It's my tendency for sure to give advice. Sure. <laughs> but sometimes mm -hmm. they're not coming to me for advice. They're coming to me yeah. to, to, to have someone listen to them mm -hmm. and to just understand and be with them. And sometimes that's all they want. And so, that's a good caveat. So that's I think true. like sometimes you have to be both of those people, you know? You have to be uh, a little bit understanding and, and sometimes you have to be uh, sensitive to whether or not advice is actually what's needed at the time hmm. um, because, you know, people are people. Even though advice, good advice makes sense to a lot of us and, you know, 
when you look at it on paper, it's the best yeah. solution. Yeah. You know, Sometimes I'm giving you just you, want to be I'm heard. I'm giving you good advice. You should take this. This will help your problem. This will solve your problem. But yeah. but uh, that's not realistically speaking. That's not always <laughs> the, the case. That's not always what's actually <laughs> going to help this person. So yeah. I've learned this a lot in life. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess take this advice with, <laughs> with a grain of salt, <laughs> but, uh, but that is something I think we all have to be cognizant of. Um, yeah. and I think it's, you know, too, uh, again, just to, to bring it back to this, like you're going to get a lot of advice in life from various mm -hmm. different people with various different experiences and backgrounds. Um, some people are going to be giving you advice from a place of experience. And those are typically the people that I trust the most. If mm -hmm. you've been through this and this has worked for you, then I'm a little bit, uh, more ready to accept that advice. But, yeah. um, you're just going to, you're going to get a lot of, a lot of advice in life. I've gotten a lot of advice and I've just ultimately I've had to choose, am I going to take this advice or not? And, mm -hmm. um, I think what we have to try to avoid is. A couple things. If we're the ones taking advice and we take bad advice, that is our own decision. Don't put it on the person who gave us bad advice. Do we take their advice again in the future? Probably not. We can mm -hmm. make that, <laughs> you know. Did they give us bad advice? Is it kind of their fault? Yeah, sure. But we ultimately took their advice and it's our fault. We have mm -hmm. to take responsibility for that. Um, but as the ones giving advice, I think it's important also to just understand that we can lead people in the wrong direction and there, it mm. can't be taken lightly. Um, and there are different, there are varying levels of advice you can give, you know? Um, I mean, like Matt gave me terrible crypto advice. <laughs> I'm, mm -hmm. just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I still have hope I for it. <laughs> I did. I don't. That ship sailed. <laughs> <laughs> but but like <laughs> no, it there was, was varying levels. It was like a, it was like a pretty good for a while, <laughs> yeah, it was like and then go figure. I Bitcoin. made some money at the at the beginning, but yeah yeah. Who knows? Maybe it'll come back. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's not good advice. You're listening to. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not good advice. That's the chameleon coming through. Um, uh -huh. But like, I think there's varying levels. Like obviously, that didn't really affect me a whole lot. And it was my choice to invest in this crypto. Um, I'm taking responsibility for it. It's fine. Like it didn't. It didn't affect my life. Doesn't you know? sound fun. But there's also sounds some like other. Hurt. There, sounds like you're hurting about. <laughs> there's a little bit of a wound. I'm a little bitter. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but there's other. There's other um, levels of advice that can really change the course of someone's life. And if they're depending on you. Uh, to give them some, you know, if they're if they're asking you for advice and you're the one mm -hmm. giving it, you have to understand the gravity of that advice. And if you're just throwing something out there to be the one to give this advice, that's that's irresponsible, right? Mm -hmm. So I I think that's kind of where I'm landing on this topic. It's like you know, if you're taking it, take responsibility. If you're mm -hmm. giving it, take responsibility. Ultimately, yeah, you have to like take that. responsibility for both sides. That's good. I like right? that. I like that a lot. So with all that said, take our advice. 
<laughs> with a grain of salt. Uh, like I said, we... Test I mean, it. seriously, if we it's just, truth, it could be tested. We say it all the time, right? Exactly. Test it. And we just record our conversations. It, it's correct. What's yeah. more important to me uh, than finding the truth today, right now, is having conversations uh, with people and just just saying where we're at. You know, yeah. what's our experience? So we welcome um, you into that. And actually, we have a Patreon where you can be uh, part of our our inner circle, uh, which right. we just did a pre-roll for before this episode. And it's really cool. We just had uh, another couple get engaged. Um, the joke is that it's called Holy Ghost Mingle um, at this point because it's become a matchmaking um, <laughs> Patreon, which is which is incredible. And like Tim said in the pre-roll, it has nothing to do with us. If you're looking for love, so, if you're looking for patreon. love, sign on up. Holy Ghost Notes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's good marketing. There you go. So seriously, if you're looking at, um, you know, taking this conversation a little, you know, taking it further than what it yeah. is right now with you just listening in your car, sign on up. It's awesome. Um, it's a great group of people, and we're still doing this podcast all this time later, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why we have good support. So um, you can go to our Patreon. There's there's several different tiers uh, that have perks, and I would say. The perks, the, the perks are cool, but I'd say like we've, you know, talked about before, one of the biggest perks is that you're a part of this community yep. and uh, they meet every week on Zoom and it's great. Yeah. It's very great cool. group of people. So thank, thank you to the inner circle who are signed up and thank you mm-hmm. in advance if you're someone listening who is interested in signing up. We That's right. We really appreciate it. Which speaking of, huge shout out to Robert Hughes, who is a, a new inner circle member. Welcome to the inner circle and thank you for for your support, man. Appreciate it. Looking Absolutely. forward to getting to know you. You bet. This is a great episode. Yes. It is uh, It is time for me to go to sleep now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, though, if you if you liked uh, what you heard today um, or didn't like what you heard today, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so hit us up on any of the socials or Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com if you prefer the email route. Um, but either way, looking forward to hearing from you. And um, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you all listening. Um, it's been mm-hmm. over three years now that we've been doing this, and uh, it's um, still mind-blowing to me that that um, most of you have stuck with us. So yeah, thank you. it's incredible. I love yeah. it. Yep. Thanks, Tim. This was great. Really yeah, enjoyed man. it. Thank you. This, these were some yeah. solid topics, which I don't think we mentioned it in the episode, yeah. but Matt, you did come up with these. So well done. Thank you. Yes. yes I'll take yes. it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. That's right. Have a good one. Yeah. Peace. Peace.